Patrick Pitts from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Number 31 in the 50 most relevant. Maybe it feels a little low for you, and to be fair, there's reason for that concern. But he's here for a reason, like everybody. Josh Dunkley. Over the final few months of last year, he absolutely flew home for us, and not many could compete with what he gave us. The key question is, does he retain that role in 2020 or does he not? To talk about one of the best potential options we've got this year through the midfield, i got Rids back. Hello, buddy. Hey, mate. Just um, make sure if I get a little bit too excited through this podcast, just throw some ice or water on me, okay? Sure. Because this guy is one of my favourites. He's He is a ripper of a kid. And last year, after a slow start, he went bananas. 189 was his best score in AFL Fantasy. Yeah, you heard me right. An absolute monster against the Melbourne Football Club. 39 possessions in that game. Uh, well, just marginally better, Ritz. He joined the elite league of those that have cracked the double ton in Supercoach. And if you captained him that week... Chances are you're a chance for the weekly prize money. 202 against the Demons. In terms of his average, a flat 111 in AFL Fantasy, while a 106.5 in Supercoach. He's going to cost you a little bit, but I'll build a case for you soon. I think there is still some value in him. Just over 630,000 in Supercoach, a margin over 800 in Dream Team, while he's 824k in AFL Fantasy. Rids. This is how his year went down. An average of 28 possessions a game. 14 of them were contested. An average of seven score involvement. Four inside 50s. 50s. He finished inside the top 20 in the league for contested possessions. Inside the top 10 of the league for tackles. And just outside the top 10 for overall disposals. It was a pretty darn good year for Josh Dunkley. But it didn't start that way. No. Well... I reckon he would have been number one in pretty much every category after round the first six rounds. Is that about right? Number one? No. I reckon he would have been, though, after the round. After, so the, round yes. seven to the end of the year, he pretty much would have been as close to number one in all those categories as you could get. Oh, no question about that. If you really want to drill into the numbers, his first six weeks... He spent his time predominantly as a forward. I will talk about why people were so keen on him. It was because coming off the back of 2018, he had a really strong run home. In Dream Team and Fantasy, he averaged 112 with seven tons, five of them over 110, a lowest in those final few games in Dream Team and Fantasy of 96. Supercoach, he averaged 115 in the final nine games, seven tons, three of them over 130, a low of 86. So people were like, okay, We've seen it at the back end of the year. We're going after him at the start of the year. But what they got instead was a guy not playing through the midfield, a guy playing through the forward. An average of 77 in Dream Team and Fantasy, an average of 85 in Supercoach. Yes, forward eligible, but no tons in that time. And then Rids, you're right. Round seven, Beveridge throws him into the midfield, and that's where not just his possessions, his score involvements, his inside 50s, numbers go through the roof. His fantasy footy numbers go through the roof. Here's a breakdown of what he did from round seven onwards. 14 tons in Dream Team and Fantasy. Of them, 
Nine were over 120. Of them, four of them were over 120. And after his mid-move, he just had two scores below 100 all year and an average from round seven to the end of the year of 123. Supercoach numbers, 14 tons from round seven onwards. Eight of them were over 120. Four of those were over 150, and one of them was the 202. Since the move from round seven onwards, just two scores below 100, nothing below 88, and an average of 127. Elite midfield numbers. <laughs> just, it's incredible when you look at it. Ah, oh, look, I mean, okay, so, so let's do this again, okay? Let's just try and dumb it down for the slow people out there. Okay, so for me. Yeah, so um, I'm looking at Fox. Okay, sure. That's anyways, fine. he's trying to work out ratios at the moment he of is. this podcast. So what we need to do is we need to just make it a little bit more simple for him. What was his average in Dream Team last year for the whole season? 111? So, yeah, so his price point average is 111 and in Supercoach is 116. Okay. Now, when he moved into the midfield in round seven, what was his average for the rest of the year? Dream Team was 123. Supercoach was 127 in that role. So, so we're looking at over 10 points difference in value when he plays midfield, yeah? Yeah, on those numbers. even on a guy who's being priced at over 110,000, uh, 110 average points a game. Yeah, there's growth in a guy that's priced at 111 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 116 in Supercoach. There's growth in him, and not just for so four one, games. One more question, MJ. Yes. Josh Kelly was the number one average in midfielder for Dream Team and AFL Fantasy in 2019 yes. at 115.9. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. And who was the super coach number one? Was it Jackson McRae? McRae, yeah, as a number one mid. At 123. Yeah. Yeah, Dunkley's averages aren't just better, but they're, they're daylight. Yes. From round seven onwards. Yes, hugely better. He He's ranked, and remember, he was averaging the first six weeks 77 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 85 in Supercoach. But he ended the year across all formats as a top five total points scorer, even after those first six weeks. Okay, so let's let's go one more step, okay? Josh Dunkley was playing forward and potentially pinching in the ruck at times. Is this correct? Oh, very rarely getting a midfield moment in the first six weeks. Very rarely. And then they Exclusive. went and recruited... Ruckman who pinch hits. In Josh Bruce moves into the mid. Ah, soon. Josh Bruce. Okay. Yeah, nah, Dunkley, put a line through him. Don't start. Yeah, he's useless. Him. Just leave him alone. Just, It's all good, okay? Yeah, no, he's a one-hit wonder. It's not going to happen. Look, it, <laughs> to, to be fair, um, the the year started pretty poorly for the, for the Doggies um, as well. In those first six weeks, they were two and four when he was playing forward in terms of victories from the move. They were 10 and 6 in terms of wins. Let's break it down for you. In Dream Team and Fantasy, when the Bulldogs won, he averaged 121.4. When they lost, he averaged 98. That's a differential of 22.7. In Supercoach, when they won, he got an average of 129. In losses, an average of 101.3, a differential of 27. Is it too simple, Rids, to look at this and suggest if you believe the Bulldogs are top four bound this year, 
then he's one of the easiest midfield selections of the year? Or is that too simple to look at it? I think if you want to even make it more simple for the ratio people in this world, he's just a starter in everywhere. He's just huge. Just start him. Just start him. He's huge. And if you're not going to start him, I, I don't know what to say. So these numbers right now mean he's only number what in the list of most relevant? He's 31. So if me... if Okay, let's change this. If we were doing predictions for 2020, he'd be top five for us, wouldn't he? In, in terms of scoring? I yeah. genuinely think... Now, there is a question mark, and I want to throw it to you in a second. That's why he's where he is. But I, if someone said to me, he, he cracks... 125-plus average across the formats. I, I have no concern believing that. None whatsoever. So if we're doing predictions... He's a top five mid for me. Base, we're top... We're, I'm thinking he's top mid in all the formats. Yeah. But on average... I mean, I just don't see how this changes. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and... His ceiling is how high? 200, 200 in, in Supercoach, super 189 in uh, Dream Team and Fantasy. Uh, look, 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 look. So after this podcast, I think he's going to be in every team picker <laughs> as well. Whoever listens to this podcast is going to have Josh Dunkley. They're going to remove everyone yeah. just to put Josh Dunkley in. It's... It's pretty special what he can do. There's two question marks I have around him. Um, actually, before I say that is, let's just be clear. He's not a tag target. While Bont and McRae are in that side, you're not shutting down Dunkley over those two. So, Well, well the fact that he can't kick is yeah. probably... Like, I mean, let's face it. He's, he's as good a kick as Dane Swan, as Tom Mitchell, as Matt Crouch over the years. Yep. So, I mean... And, they're very, very unlikely to get tagged. Yes, so you're disposal correct. efficiency of 72. So not disgusting, but it, Bont and McRae are going to cut you up with the ball. Dunkley's not going to do that. He's uh, not going to hit a target <laughs> like every single time from no. like 45, 50 and hurt you. And, and he doesn't he's need to. He's the type of guy that will get the... He'll get plenty of it. Yeah. And he's not an awful kick at all. No, he's fine. But the fact of the matter is, from an AFL standard, he... He's, he's not, not going to hurt you with that. Yeah, he's not going to do that. Look, one of no. the things that helped the doggies a few years back win the flag, and we've seen it not only with Dunkley, we've seen it with McLean, we've seen it with Dalhouse, uh, we've seen it with a large number of their players, is a huge thing that makes the dogs so um, unpredictable, in a good sense, is they've got so many versatile and flexible players. Bontempelli, for example, is equally as damaging inside forward 50 as he is inside the midfield. And, and I suppose the negativity or the concern that, for me to be fair, it's not massive, but it's enough to make him slide down the list of where he is on the 50 most relevant is we've got enough history now that even at the start of last year, I was convinced he's not going to play Dunkley forward. And yet he did. Now, that's been validated that they performed much better with him and that really consolidated midfield unit of Bontempelli, McRae and Dunkley and then others, you know, building around that. But we do need to have that as a question mark for us of we know Beveridge likes to move his players around in-game, hold them there for multiple games for what, from a fantasy coach perspective, is just for what reason possible. Um that's one of the concerns that I have around him. It's not a big one, but it's enough to have him slide down the relevancy board for me. 
Yeah, but in reality, that's like um, you're concerned you're going to slip on the wet floor when you sure. walk out the shower. Absolutely. That's, it's as, you know, you're going to fall out of bed if you roll over too many times. Like, I mean, it's just not even really on the radar when you see the absolute reward from selecting him. There's a huge reward there. That, you know, is it a bit different? Like 12 months ago when he was in the 50 most relevant, we were talking him up, you know, in a similar sense about him now. We were getting him as a forward. We were paying about a 90 price point for him. Um, the, the risk of him, you know, dropping 10 points, 15 points a game wasn't as drastic. And a lot of coaches jumped off him after the first six weeks and then had to find a way to scamper to go back and get him when he did move into the midfield. Is it more risky doing the start because he's now priced at, you know, 110, 115 across a format? And if he does move back forward, then there could be potentially a 40 or 50 point gap. Is it more risky now than it was 12 months ago? Well, at the end of the day, who in the midfield is the clear number one midfielder across the formats? Mm, no one. Yeah, McRae would be the closest. Well, you'd fight. You can you can debate it. Yeah, you can. Two or three years ago, Tom Mitchell. You had Rockliffe a few years ago. You had Swan before that. Yeah. We can we can discuss this for hours. Who's like? Are we looking at Josh Kelly? Are we looking sure. at Jack McRae? Are we looking at who is it? Josh Dunkley's in that discussion. So whilst there's no clear choice, I mean, what? Where is the risk? Any of these guys can drop Crips, you know, five. We've all seen these guys drop a large percent from their starting price in years gone by and still be able to you know, recover from it. No question. So I don't see any risk at all. I don't, um, I know people say, ah, oh, he's priced at his, no, he, but he's not priced at his peak. He's not priced at his top level because his top level after round seven or round six last year was 10 points better. Yeah. No, it's so huge. I just, I just don't see it. Like, I mean, and is it, it's pretty much irrelevant. We say this every year. It's irrelevant when these guys drop price if you hold them for the year. Correct. It only matters only if you get you off start. them. Yeah. Well, it's only yeah. It only matters if you get reactive or whatever else, and you get rid of them. But at the end of the day, Kate, in two rounds, he's priced where you can get anyone else. Yeah. So, minus safe or fantasy, where things change straight away, the prices don't fluctuate in Dream Team and Supercoach until round three, potentially, like you've got to play three games, mm. means what's the risk? You burn a trade, but you might make 100000 if he does get injured, if yep. he gets start slow, if he's in the wrong role, he might drop a 100 then you wait for him to get that role back and then pick him back up. Of course, it, it might cost you a trade or sure. two, but... If you're smart enough, you can probably eliminate some of those reactive trades with other people. Yeah, I think so. At that point in time, if that's the way you want to go. Yeah, it is. Like I talked about right at the start of this episode, when Dunkley was playing forward, they were two and four. Once he moved into the midfield, they were ten and six. Yes, Beveridge has a history of moving players, but if anything, like if they hold the team's structure, yes, they've brought in a key forward and a key back that are really going to structure them up perfectly. I think the doggies are poised um, to be a genuine premiership threat this year. Um, they're one of the few teams that I go, oh, they could challenge a Richmond um, at, at any game, at any stadium, at any time. Um, and if you're of the opinion that you think the doggies are heading for a really good year, then 
Dunkley should be one of the key reasons they're doing it in the midfield. And the other point to that, MJ, is sometimes we overthink things, Rodio, in these fantasy games at the start of the year. And we start focusing on what people can't do or what might happen Mm. instead of just focusing on what they can do. Yes. Like, we're talking about this guy. And, I mean, and let's be honest, like, it still seems a bit odd, doesn't it? Me and you talking about him as a captain option week to week. He is genuinely a captain option. He is a genuine captain option based on those numbers. Anyone who scores 200 in any game of football in Supercoach has to be a captain option at yeah. some point in time. Oh, no doubt. So I don't want to overstate it because obviously he's still down the list. There's mm, people out yeah, there that 30 more to concerned go. and everything else. But I can tell you now, I can tell you now, one good preseason game, this guy is probably top 10 in the most relevant. Yeah, and that's the thing is is it's all that sniff of doubt in people's mind might just be enough because they are paying, you know, he's got value in him still, but they are paying a lot of salary cap to get him. That's just that sniff of doubt can be enough to turn someone away from starting him but that could all go very quickly with one Marsh preseason game. You're absolutely right. There is a bit of a, a thought process, Rids, that he only scored well with Tom Liberatore out of the side. From a reference point, he did score better with Liber out, but it was only seven games last year that Liber didn't play with Josh Dunkley. If you want the breakdown, um, with Liber in uh, Dream Team and Fantasy, it was 15 games. He averaged 101. Without him, it was 132. So I told you it was better, but again, it wasn't horrible with him. A super coach, 107 with Liber. Um, the seven games without was 135. So certainly better, but there is that thought. Again, I think it's just a little incorrect that he only got the midfield time because Liber was out. And uh, no, the, the the gap of games of Libba out versus the games he was on was on a tear. It, it's not quite consistent enough. No, I don't think so. And I've been people will probably try and look at Mitch Wallace and everything else. <coughs> Sorry, no, that's fine. But again, we're focusing on what might happen in rather than actually what this guy is an absolute walk up star. Don't try and don't try and preempt this. Just Sit back, start him, and then work out whether there's a better option as the preseason moves through. Yeah, no, I, I really like him in terms of buy round. He is up against some of the best midfield premiums. We've got his two teammates in McRae and Bontempelli, who was revealed just a few days ago in the 50 most relevant. GWS Giants have a plethora of options. Callan Ward's been revealed in the 50 most relevant. Then you've got Kelly, Cornelio, Taranto, just to name a few that, that happen to roll through there. Tom Mitchell, if he's fit and firing round one, is off there. You might be interested in, in one of the Crouch brothers or something through there. So there's plenty of strong midfield options but even with those names through there he must be looked at as one of the best if not the best midfielder that comes out of that group but as i said before forget what i've said disagree with me totally just don't start him i'm totally happy to have him more unique than anyone else I think he's a ripping option. I hear and understand people's hesitations, but I think they could be gone very quickly. And given, yes, you're paying a lot to get him, he's shown he can go on tears and big scoring tears, like between round 10 this year and round 18 in Dream Team and Fantasy, his lowest score was 118. 
in Supercoach between round 10 and 18. His lowest score was a 101, but outside of that, it was pretty much 120 plus, including the 202. He's the kind of guy that can take a season away from you quickly, and even if he starts slow in the forward line, he won't stay there for long. 100%. I'm not going to talk him up anymore. All right. Well, let's talk before we wrap this episode up. Where does he go in a draft? He finished top five in terms of total points across all the formats. Is he a pretty simple first round selection no matter what? Okay. So what do we got? We got Whitfield, who will probably be the number one forward clear. So he'll probably go in the top three. Yeah. I think we got Grundy and Gorn. Yeah. They'll go in the top handful. If Dunkley's not in consideration for your fourth selection in your draft, you're nuts. Yeah. People will probably pick McRae ahead of him in a draft, and I can understand that. But if you're then moving down, in the, maybe then in Supercoach, guys like Neil, Fife, you know, maybe they start to enter into your mind. Um, you know, maybe we'll see them turn up later in the 50 most relevant, but yeah. It, I, I don't see many jumping him before McRae, um, but he could outscore McRae. I would, but that's me. I always do that. Yeah. But the thing is, okay, he's at least he's got to be in that consideration for pick four. Yeah. So reality is he'll probably end up around about 8 to 15. Yeah, on the turn. Yeah. But Perfect. I think... I actually think that represents even value from what his output is likely to be. I'd be stoked. If I had a a ladder round pick in the draft and I was able to get the top five scoring points overall option through the midfield to anchor my midfield, lock away either another strong midfield option or if Dusty's still there or Lloyd's still there and and pair them up together, I feel like I've had a really strong first two rounds in the draft. No, I agree. All right, man. He's a ripper, Josh Dunkley, that is for sure. Uh, If you want to go and check out the article, it's online now for you at coachespanel.tv. Thank you, Rids, for your thoughts on him today. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't have um, been more negative. Yeah, no, it's hard. I tried a little bit, but it's not the easiest one to find some negative holes in uh, as an option. If you want to uh, check out the other players revealed in the 50 most relevant, they are there at coachespanel.tv. If you want to get a little bit ahead of the pack with these podcasts uh, and get them a day early, our Patreon supporters are doing that. Yes, people already know who the number 30 is. They are ahead of you, and if you don't like that and you want to support the Coaches Panel, you can find all your links for that at coachespanel.tv. TV. Tomorrow, Supercoach opens, but also we get to the number 30 player in the 50 most relevant.